I'm thankful as I sing that song. I feel like it's my personal testimony of my life. You know, there's times when I feel just an emptiness. How many of you have ever felt that? Like, God, where are you? Where'd you go? What has happened? And I know that in my walk and on this journey of life, and as I study God's word and he's put me through the, the gospel of John this past month, and as I've studied that every day, and, and I was sharing with some of the, the folks of our church, even reading through John 1, through John 2, John 3, John 4, I don't listen to it once, and, and you know, I have, I, I have a little bit of ADD, AD&D, what's going on here? Can you turn down the mains just a little bit? All right, thank you. And uh, attention deficit disorder. So as I start reading, I start daydreaming. And uh, so it's easier for me. I turn on my Bible app, and as I'm driving down the road, or as I get up early in the morning or at night, I can listen to God's Word with clarity. And as I start to daydream, I just hit stop and I rewind. So I encourage all of you to get into the Word, get into prayer, and allow God to infiltrate His Word into your heart and into your life. I'm going to talk in a, in a way that's very personal to me today, that I really feel that this church needs to grab a hold of, that direction needs to be in the right area and focus needs to be in the right area. We sing songs, let the Holy Spirit come, let the Holy Spirit rise among us. Holy Spirit, thou art welcomed in this place. We are standing on holy ground. We remember the day of Pentecost as I spoke about here back in May. And I know it was some, somewhat difficult for some of you to understand because we had our Nepali fellowship with us. And so with interpretation, it lengthens our service. And, and I know and I understand because I find myself daydreaming as I listen as well. I'll go to our meetings. And when we were just part of the revival, it's difficult for me because uh, most of it is in the Nepali language or the Bhutanese language, which is Hindi language. And so becomes very difficult. But today I want to share something that I really believe that our church needs to do. I am convinced that in America today, we have forsaken his word. We have chucked it. We've gotten rid of it. And very few people have God's word in their home. But you understand, Pastor, I have it on my iPad, my iPod, my iPhone, my i this, my i that. It's all i. Guess what happens when you run out of battery life because you forgot to put your phone on the charger? You no longer have the word for your life, for your consistency and your practice and that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I love, I love my, my app. I love digging in deep into the Word of God. But I think most of us today have to agree with um, that it's very, very important that we stay in the Word. So I'm going to ask you what I asked a pastor friend of mine this week. I wrote him, and he's in Canada. And I said, Brother, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm praying for you today, and how can I pray for you specifically? And now I'm going to ask you question number two. When was the last time you were in the Word of God? When was the last time that you were praying? When was the last time? Now listen to me. When was the last time you got on your knees before Almighty God, humbled your prideful self, and prayed? Have you guys ever practiced getting down on your knees? When you're 45 years old like myself, it takes a little bit of time to get down there. 
And then when you're praying and you get back up, you count to 1,000 because it takes about that long to get back up off the floor. But I'm going to ask you this. Have you sacrificed anything for Christ over the past week? Have you sacrificed anything for him over the last year? Have you done anything for Christ to receive his power and his glory? And if you have not, I challenge you right from the beginning of this message this morning to get into the word and to get into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you do not, you're just going through the motions. And then I ask myself this question, are you saved and are you born again? Now, I normally build right up to where I'm going with the message, but I wanted to start off today because we each and every one of us need to be challenged. We need to be challenged in the word of God. And yes, I realize the importance of God's word. So this morning, as I speak on, men of God rise up with unction. I'm I'm charging every one of you men. I've been looking at stuff online, and you go to the Christian bookstore, it says, Men of God, live courageously. Really? Well, how about this? Men of God, live a holy life, sold out, separated. See, Satan wants us to be distracted. So he puts obstacles of all forms in our way. And when he does that, we're no longer focused on Christ. And so just this morning, you are here. We are together. And it says we're two or more gathered in my name. I'm in the midst. And so I'm grateful that the presence of Almighty God is with us and that his Holy Spirit is here. The great comforter to speak to us and to endure us with power. But do you believe it? That's where we're missing it in our churches today. And I'm not talking about a three-ring circus act. I'm talking about true power to have enough courage to go out and minister as he told his disciples in Acts chapter 2. He said, get out, preach the word. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Listen, when, when it all comes to an end in our little short life on this earth, And we stand before God and he says, well, Todd, why should I let you into the kingdom of heaven? I hope that I can say because I've been sold out, separated, justified, and I'm a born again believer. I am baptized in the blood through the water and the spirit of Jesus Christ. But are all and some going to go? Um. I don't really have a good answer for that. Here's my thought. How many of you have been on your knees before God in prayer? We've been. Most of us could say we've done that at the altar at home. And you go and you you have it in your mind what you're going to pray about. So you go, you kneel, and you start to pray, and then all of a sudden you go... There's nothing there. I've gone to prayer before, and I have to tell you this. It doesn't have to be some flowery, wonderful, Our Father, we realize that you sent the only begotten. Really? Abba Father means Daddy. And I'm like, when my kids go, 
dad. Really, why they're kissing up to me. They want something. But I want to kiss up to God the Father through prayer. And then I want him to bestow his love and show his power upon me in prayer. And then I'm reminded that when I bow my knee and I bow my head before God in humility, that's why I do that, is then to say, God, I don't know what to say. And then I remember the words of the Holy Bible. Be still and know that I am God. Isn't that profound? Isn't that wonderful to think that God sent His Son, the grace of God, for you and for me? Because He loves us. You remember back in the days of a good old kids rock program? I'll bring back some memories for you. Listen closely. Instead of unction, unction, what's your function? What was it? Help him out here, Luke. Okay, I figured you got it. This morning, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and as, as I speak through this very quickly, I pray that God will give me clarity of mind. And as we look at the unction of the Holy Spirit and the unction of God, we know that conjunction, junction, it's all those things that ands and ors and does that join us together. But let's, let's look at it this way. What about if we live a life and the Holy Spirit is the glue that holds us together, that get, gives us what we need in order to have the power and the glory and the anointing of Jesus Christ? We need that. And if we have no unction in our life, we have nothing. We might as well, as I told the men this morning, take a chain, a padlock, and just lock the doors of this church. I don't want to have church. I want to have a spirit-filled, holy, rolling church. For some of you, you know, I was raised Baptist. And, uh, you know, in our church, we, you know, don't speak about Pentecost. Because if you do, then you're going to show the charismatic side of who you are. And then all of a sudden, uh, then you're going to be reprimanded. And I'm thinking to myself, hello, you crazy preacher. How can you preach part of the word and not the whole counsel of God's word? See, that's what I'm talking about. I think we're afraid. We're afraid of what God's going to do in and through our lives. And every time God starts to do something, we run scared like little girls. Because here's reality. The Holy Spirit is what manifests itself and gives us the power and the glory. And you go, well, Pastor, how do you know that? Let me show you. We're going to read together. As we look at this, and I'm not going to go back to, I explained to you what Pentecost was, what Pentecost Sunday was about. 
and uh, that it's 50 days after Easter. We're going to see that here in the scriptures. It's way past that. And we also understand that Jesus' promise was to send the Comforter as well as Counselor and the Spirit of Truth in John 16. We'll be looking at that this morning. I won't take a lot of your time. We'll make this quick. But you know what? i got to tell you something. I should probably be preaching for two and a half hours because I've been gone for two Sundays. And so now I've got to make it up. <sighs> Not really. It doesn't matter what I have to say. It matters what God has to say. And I hope that in the next few minutes that all of us will be able to hear what he has to say in and through his word. Follow me as we go on a journey in God's word. One, here's what we're going to see in Acts chapter one. We're going to read verses one through 11. and We're going to see evidence of the Holy Spirit. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, which was a Roman official, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he threw the what? Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. I, I, you know, I have to break this down because I'm reading out of the King James Version, but I love in there in verse 3, and you can go ahead and turn the air off if you would, please. You're very welcome. Uh, verse 3 where it says passion means alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, by all the unmistakable proofs. It says being seen of them 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which says, He, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Then I want you to also notice that as we continue to read, it says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. I have to stop right there, and I know I'm going to, to verse 9, but I have to stop there in verse 8. It says this. You shall receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power, and yet you should be witnesses. You need to take your pen, you need to take your iPad, highlight that, underline that. You need to say, wait a minute, if Jesus Christ gave a commandment to the disciples, we all need to have the Holy Ghost because we cannot do His work without Him. So in order to be witnesses for Him, we need to make sure that we're living a Christ-centered life. We go. There's a lot of churches out there. That people are religious, but don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In verse 9, when we had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, which stand ye gazing up into heaven. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. I love that. And then I stop and I look at that text. And I am reminded of me. Todd, I'm going to cause some heartache and pain in your life. 
There's going to be loss of finances, of sickness, of death, of heartache, of abandonment. And then I stand back up, gazing up and going, oh, okay, God, all right. Even the disciples said they stood gazing up. They stared. And when I sing that song, I'm reminded of his presence. There's joy. There's angels around him that minister. Why is it that we as, and we say that we're Christians, all of us stand gazing into heaven? Like, God, are you for real? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Do this. When something bad happens, write it in your journal, then flip back about 100 pages and write in there, like Paul Harvey said, here's the rest of the story. Because in between, God's going to take you on a journey of a lifetime. That's our Christian walk. Now, how many of you could say, well, I learned my lesson back when? We've all been there, right? We all say, I've learned my lesson back when I was. And I love when my daughters think they're more knowledgeable than mom and I. She says, we are. And, uh, and then we realize that life circumstances change who we are. That's where we grow. That's where we learn. But why do we stand gazing? Why do we stand around staring with slobber running down our lip? going, oh no. I want a church and I know God wants more than anybody people to be on fire for Him. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and if you've never surrendered to Him you're not going to be on fire. And every church is a revolving door. People come, people go. It's been the story of the conception of New Hope since year number one. And my heart breaks for the many people I watch. They can leave and then they backslide and they get away from the fellowship of God. Yesterday, Brother Todd was teaching our men during our prayer class. And he said there's two different types uh, that are in the church. One that's here for the job. The other one that's here for the ministry. And as you were reading that, I thought to myself, you know, a job, you get burnout. You just, you lose it because it becomes a job. But when it's a ministry... You take up the cross daily and you follow him. No matter the cost. That, that's the joy of serving God. So here we are. We're in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus ascends. Okay? And now we're building up to a dramatic moment in time. In Acts chapter 2. And I want you to follow with me over there. Acts chapter 2. And it says this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with what? One accord. Now, this is, this is what amazes me too. I could probably spend weeks in this text. If they were all in one accord, why is it that people walk in the church and can't be? Oh, I'm a Christian preacher. I told a couple of men that stopped by the office this week. I said to them, here's what I want to put on Facebook. I get this all the time. Oh, you're a pastor? Yeah. Child of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. Are you? So what are you doing? So tell me what's going on in your life. 
it was one of my counselors past week, and a man walked up to me, and I said, uh, he said, oh, I heard you were a pastor. I said, that's correct. And he said, well, I, I, I mean, I, I minister, but uh, I kind of play in the worship band. Now, get this. He walked away from me, and then he came back, and for 20 minutes, he started preaching to me. I look at him going, listen, I don't need to be preached to. He didn't need to convince me who he was. He needed to convince God who he is by his life. Don't tell me, oh, this is what I'm doing. I don't care. God cares. I said, so where are you plugged in at? Nowhere. Oh, okay. So that's being a Christian. So back to social media. I was going to write this. You know, as people walk up to me and they say, I'm a Christian, I find it real interesting because I haven't seen him in church in a year. I asked him, when was the last time you opened up the Word of God? And I haven't, but I'm a Christian. And the last time I checked, that Christian means the likeness of Christ. And so one that is a Christian must have the fruits of the Spirit and the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ. Uh-oh. That's difficult, Pastor, for me to hear. Well, if they're at the day of Pentecost and they're in one accord, can't we be in one accord? Can't we as a church be in one accord and move forward for the kingdom of heaven? Oh, I can't make it to church today because my little pinky on my little toe down here, it's killing me. I can't make it. I got a (laughs) boo-boo. Don't we all? Everybody wakes up with a boo-boo. I'm 45 years old, and I wake up with a lot of boo-boos. I barely can get out of bed. Fibromyalgia kills you at this age, I guess. I don't know. But I said, you know what? We've got to get excited. If the Holy Spirit came because people in one accord, why can't we in the church come together? They were Gentiles. They were Jews. People were sinners. Crap was hitting the fan there, too. And here's what I think's happening. Pastor, you can't say that in the pulpit. You can't do that. You can't preach on sin. Well, with the power of the Holy Ghost, you sure can. Amen? See, we've gotten to a place where I just want to get up and go. You have found favor with God. We know we found favor with God 2,000 years ago when he went to the cross and shed his blood for us. That's where you find favor. But church, listen to me. If we are not in one accord, hold people accountable. We are not doing that in America today. I love Jesus Christ. I love serving him. When you see me stand up here, I'm passionate about God. I want the church to be passionate about God. And we're not. Well, they put too much pressure on me there. I'm not doing anything anymore. So we're back over here. And it says they were in one accord, in one place. They had a purpose. They were of one mind. In verse 2 it says this. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, heaven as a mighty rushing wind. Then it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. 
The word confounded actually means they were confused because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? And how here we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretus and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Isn't it amazing? Let's just stop for just a minute and think about Charleston. Do you see where the focus was at? It was on that criminal. It wasn't on the victims. You know what my prayer was this morning? God, show your spirit in that building this morning. In front of those TV cameras. In front of the people that are watching to find out just how real you are. Oh God, show your power. You know what we do? We're so frightened by that power. Even the disciples said, they looked around and said, I'm a little confused. What's taking place here? Well, wait a minute. Hold on just just a minute. Let's pause this and go into an advertisement. Aren't these the same guys that watched as Jesus ministered? They saw with their own eyes the power of God the Father. They saw with their own eyes the manifestation of the Spirit. In John chapter 10, it says, I and my Father are one. They were going after Jesus to cast stones at Him because He was doing the work of the Father. And yet here we are on the day of Pentecost. Everybody's coming together. People understand one another. They're having a great revival. And what happens? Are they drunk? Because people have a hard time believing. Believing. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. I want to have a church that's praying, that has a faith like I have never seen before. I want the papers to say something's going on up there on that hill. And it's the Holy Spirit. And there's a fire that's burning in that church. We need to be a part of that. Church, are we sleeping? Are we the Laodicean church where we're just sleeping and not listening to what God has for us? Have you said, I'm going to let those people over there witness? I'm going to let them do it? Then I ask you this question. It says, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you will become witnesses. So are you witnessing? Are you telling people about the awesome works of your father? We've missed it. Many of us sit around and we say, yeah, maybe some are drunk with wine. Look over at verse 38 in Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. I'm really heartbroken over where we're at. Evidence of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do the work of the Holy Spirit, let me give you an illustration. True discipleship means you bring three teenagers, you witness and you bring five, you bring two, you bring two. And if you think about you bring five, whatever, if you think about your influence in your community, what are you doing so people see Jesus in your life? Hey, if we're not somewhat charismatic, the world will never see Jesus in us. And what I mean by charismatic, charisma. You have to have charisma. I like to be wild and crazy. I like my reputation to be wild and crazy. Why not be wild and crazy for Jesus? Or wild and crazy about everything else. Poor calves. I was wild and crazy watching those finals. Lord Jesus, I come to you in confession, for I have sinned before you. I don't, that's why I don't get into sports. Then I got into the finals, and that upset me. So then I needed to go before God and repent. But we want to say, LeBron James, way to go, team of one. Anyhow, back to the message. John 14. Let's look at John 14 as we see the promise of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 14, verses 15 through 31. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. We notice in verse 15 it says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another. Can you flip these fans on for me? And here's what I love that it says, And I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. He shall give you a helper. Watch. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And we continue reading, and I will leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see, you shall see me, because I live, you shall live also. At the day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye and me, and I and you, showing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're seeing the Trinity there. He that keepeth my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest. I love the word manifest. He will reveal himself to him. Judah says unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, not keepeth not my sayings, and the words which he hears not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But here's where he says, but the comforter, but the helper, which is what? Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and, remember, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. 
You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now I have told you, before it comes to pass, that when it has come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. That the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do arise, let us go hence. Let's look in John chapter 10. I want to reference this. John 10. I was reading this this past week in my, my devotion, in my Bible time. John chapter 10, verse 22 through 30. You love the word? Amen. Amen. I do. He says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? Thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I love the the reference to, to me, that's eternal security. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And it says there, I and my Father are one. So we see evidence of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He comes as a comforter. I want you to turn, and we'll we'll use this as the last one, and I, I might do part two next week. I'm going to, I'm not, because there's so much I want to share with you. And First John, if you would please, chapter 2, verse 20. I want to leave you with this. I said to you before, do you have an unction within you? Do you have power among you? It says there in verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Do you know what the word interpreted of unction means? It means anointing. It means you have an anointing. And in verse 27 it says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as that same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Here's my heart, church. I am more burdened today than I've ever been. There are churches out there that don't even open up the Bible. There are churches out there, I will tell you this, we could, Brother George knows this, we could dice and slice and do all kinds of things with our budget. We could have a fancy, awesome praise team band worship service going on up here. And they would just be, you know, going gangbusters on the instruments. And we would put on a great show for all of you. Okay? And then I could get up and then I could speak for 15 minutes after the show is is all done. And I could do something really great about God is love and never speak about the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when we're all done, the band gets back up and we can have the lights, the cameras and the action. It'll all be fun. And I I love what some churches are doing and I think it's great that they're reaching souls because there are churches out there doing that. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that I think our praise team does a great job. And they're not lip-syncing. They are singing. 
And I'm thankful for your commitment and your faithfulness. I love it that you're using your gifts for Christ. I love that when I look back on 4th Street and Kaga Falls at Leslie's house, there was 27 people there and were sitting on a deck. My wife says to me on the way home that day, do you think all these people will be with us in the end? And I looked at her and said, no. For God gives us all different giftings. And one of the hardest things to do is to preach the word. Because in America today, that's all people want to hear. is something that's like icing on a cake that they can go over and go like this and stick it in their mouth and go, that tastes delicious. I say this to you. I ran into a man this week who said to me, I think what we're missing in the church is the Holy Spirit. I'm standing at Lifeway yesterday. Jean walks up to me and says, Hi, Pastor. I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. How did the vacation go? I said, Fine. She works there at Lifeway over in, in Montrose. She says to me, What a sad, sad place the church is in. And I go, Well, what do you mean, Jean? She goes, I wanted to share this with you. She said, You know, a friend of mine, which is down in southern Ohio, she said, they, she, They've been in the ministry. They're my age. And I wanted to say they're in their late 50s. And she said they took on a church. She's also a pastor's kid. So she's been infiltrated with the word of God. And and they've seen hurt and disappointment and discouragement in the church. And so she says, you know, with, with all that going on, something terrible and traumatic happened. And I go, well, what was that? She said, well, all of a sudden they started feeling like the presence of God wasn't there. He would get up to preach and he's like, he went home and says, honey, I'm so exhausted. I didn't even feel like God was with me today. She said, I didn't feel the presence of God. So he said, we need to get on our knees and start praying. Well, just to let you know that that church, their youth pastor took over 100 people. And they were only a church of 150. And they split the church. She said she wept and said, these were my friends. We worshiped together. Stop. Let's back that up. These were my friends and we worshiped together. But I just thought I heard you say, Gene, that a couple weeks before that, there was no spirit in the church. You weren't worshiping anything. Isn't that the truth? Is that the word of God? If, if God's anointing or unction isn't on the service, where's the power come from? Power doesn't come from us. I mean, it, it comes from God. But if it's not from God, it, it's from us. So we have to work that much harder. I want, when I get done, go, this has been a great service. Hallelujah. Praise God. And here's what Jean said I told her to do. I want you to get on your knees before God. And I want you to pray out to God and ask him for a fresh anointing upon your church. She said she called me back, and the church is just They love it. They said, we don't care if there's only 40 of us. Man, the power, the presence, the unction, the spirit of God is alive. So I ask you, do you want to come to church and... Oh, okay, Pastor Todd's done. Out the door we go. This past week, we left on vacation. We were gone a week. The first Sunday I was gone. I get this text and I'll close with this today. I get this text that says, Pastor, we're very saddened. 
the Nepali church has split. Our congregation. How many of you were here for the baptismal service? Raise your hand. Okay, we were all here. Was that 15 people that I saw go through the waters? That's 15 Hindu people that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So Pastor Dahl says, what do I do, preacher? I said, get on your knees and pray. Our God is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. I had a meeting with him at the beginning of the week and he walked in and you could see he was weeping and he was crying in his heart. It wasn't the same Pastor Dahl that we see running around here. And here's what he does. As he is in that spirit of grief and of mourning. I will say this to you. I looked at him and said. Look at me. And this was just Tuesday. I said lift your head up. How big is your God? Oh my God that's alive. I said he's awesome isn't he? He knows exactly what he's doing. And he allowed something to happen for his glory, not for ours. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to him in prayer this morning. And we're going to see what God starts to do in the life of the Nepali Fellowship. He said, but 80 people have left. That's 35. I said, glory, hallelujah. He says, we're two or more that got in my name. I am in the midst and you have church. See what happens is in every church there's <coughs> sheeps, goats, and wolves. And unfortunately, a wolf came in and detoured and distracted, and now they're going down another path. And those people, some of those people that accepted Christ, are no longer there. So I ask you this question. What have we demonstrated to the lost world? We as the church can't get along. We can't reconcile. We can't forgive one another we can't love one another so i ask you this question what are we going to do at new hope christian fellowship to keep the kingdom of god alive and real we need to get on our knees before god every single person in this room and cry out to god for your loved ones for your church for those people that are around you to keep your marriage keep your life keep the church on fire so that we all have unction and we all can do the work of the Father. When we don't have the power and the presence of God, we have nothing. Say this with me. Father God, I want your unction today. Give me your power today. Fill me with your power today. I hope you can believe it. Because God wants to do something big in your life. One man said this to me. All I want is to let people see Jesus in me. He filled up a whole section in a church, all because he wanted people to see Jesus in him. And when Jesus was shown in him, it wasn't, look at me, these people that are behind me. It wasn't that, look what I've done. Now I've got power. I am the pillar of the assembly. No, they all worshiped in one accord. How many of you, I want to, do you love God? Raise your hand. I want, do you love God? Okay, there's someone here that didn't raise their hand. So if you didn't raise your hand, then we're all not in one accord. Is that correct? So reality is this. Where are we moving forward to? Are we really moving the church forward for the kingdom of heaven? It's a thought, isn't it?
Man, that's just my heart. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And if we don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if we are not born again, old things continue to creep up and the new things will never become new in our life, as the Scripture says, because we don't have the power in our life. So I'm going to ask you to do something this morning I've never done before. I want you to get up out of your seat. If you've never gone to an altar and prayed, you come down here and pray in this area. I'm going to go to the altar and pray. And I mean this. Put aside your pride. Ask God this. Bestow your power upon the churches in America. Do you know that man that walked in the church? God allowed that pastor to get shot in those people in that church. But I will tell you this. God is all-powerful. And that could have been stopped. Where's our faith? And I'm not saying those folks didn't have faith. But all I'm saying is, I love that that man is in the arms of Jesus. And that pastor that was preaching the word was doing what he was supposed to do. But I want a church that is just alive. I want when people walk in this church, and I'm so grateful for Tiffany and Paul and for my wife's new hairdresser <laughs> who's in our neighborhood and who Billy's here. I, I just love seeing, you know, loved ones and family and friends that are here with us. Don and Grandma Rachel, it's great to see you back to your home. She's out there in California. But if we don't have God in our life, what do we have? There's a void. There's an emptiness. I want a church filled with the Holy Spirit. I want a church filled with the Holy Ghost. I want a church that says, I am going to dedicate every day, every time there's an obstacle, teenager, get on your knees before you go to school. I am more convinced. And when that pastor wrote me back and said, I've not been on my knees in prayer, my heart was grieved. You'll never pray if I'm not praying. So I commit before every soul in this room that I will pray for you. And I will commit to prayer. I go row by row by row. Even for those that sit over there that aren't here today. I go row by row by row. And I pray for you. That the power of God would manifest itself so that you guys can do the work of the Father. I love God. And I just want it to be demonstrated in our lives. If you'll just do that, God will do great and mighty things in your life. I know I said it was done. But for some, I have to give three I'm done before I'm done right. There's so much I want to share, and I'll share with you next week. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. If we're never convicted by God's Spirit, we'll never change will never grow. Ever. You've got to be in the Word. We sing songs like we shall behold Him. He'll bring across amazing grace. My chains are gone. Are they? So this morning, as I encourage you, I'm, I'm just going to have this song play. I'm going to pray with you real quick here, but I just want in this room, I want a church of prayer. And if you can't get out of your seat, then you sit where you're at. Us to kneel. And I want to remember this day in history that I had a church that got on their knees before God, that they weren't proud enough to bow their head. I told my wife this week, and I mean this with all sincerity, we started with a little 
a little dot. We were on a deck, then we went to the YMCA, then we went to the Court Cultural Center. But I have to say, we have the Nepali Fellowship, and I told Pastor Paul this week, it doesn't matter what happens. Souls have been saved and lives have been changed. God's not closing the doors. And I'm not saying that to say this, but all I'm saying is that I have a heartbeat. And when you go to a pastor's conference and you look in the morning and you look around at the pastors, and I was there last month in Chicago, and there's out of 2,000 pastors, there's 80 pastors that are praying? Are you kidding me? Where are we at, church? Quit playing church and be the church. Ecclesia means called out assembly. So I share all that because that's my heart. I just want people to love God and love each other. And I want a church that's filled with prayerful people. This morning there was two men. We pray every, every Sunday at 915. And if you want to come and pray with us, I invite you to come down to the King's Knights room. Larry and Steve are down there. You pray with us. Because I, I'd much rather have a praying church than anything else. Because God manifested His work in people. You saw the day of Pentecost. It said thousands were added unto them because they were in prayer. And until we humble ourselves, our church will never grow. So let's let God have full authority in our life. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Would you come to Him today? Let us all stand. Father God, we come to You. We just are grateful for Your Word. We're thankful for the power and the presence of Your Spirit. Lord, as we sing this song, may all of us just listen and reflect. And today, as we go to You in prayer, may we just bow our knee, bow our head. And Lord, even if there's nothing to be said, just in the stillness of this room, Lord, may we cry out to You and Lord, deliver us from some of the things that have kept us chained down and in bondage. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit that gives us unction conviction that identifies what we need to change. Lord, bestow this church with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In your holy name we pray. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. In your holy name.